0: Fifty-eight, The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, 58. Now, we're, uh, we're in a different context now. We're in the church age, and of course we understand that. But there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that have a great spiritual application in the New Testament. It may be figurative, but there's some great truth to it. And the Apostle Paul certainly applies some Old Testament things figuratively and spiritually, and we'll, we'll do that some today. Isaiah 58, the Bible says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. You know, under the Old Testament, while they were still under the law, they were very much dealing primarily with Israel. That's God's chosen people when the church age is over, and it looks like it's coming very near to the end, doesn't it? When it's over, guess what the Lord is going to be concerned with? Israel. You know what the tribulation period deals with? Israel. You know who will be um, the most prominent nation through all the millennium? Israel. Our God is a Hebrew God. It wouldn't surprise me at all, and I've often said this, if we're not all speaking Hebrew (laughs) throughout all of eternity. I have no problem with that. I'm not interested in my race being king. I'm interested in God and the Lord Jesus Christ being our king. And their Hebrew, their, he is a Hebrew God. And that is their people. Alright, uh, but having said that, right now we're his people. Amen. Because the Jews have rejected. And, in, and they are suffering blindness in part. So we'll talk about this figuratively. Verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, And to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday, and the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I want to preach this morning on the heritage that feeds us and how you can live up to it dear heavenly father I pray that your spirit come down now and bear witness to the truth of your word and lord your word is truth your word is everything we need it is all the nutrition we need it is all the sustenance we need it is all the power we need it is all the protection we need it is every weapon we need spiritually speaking it's, it's everything we need God, I pray for it to sink in. I pray for us to get the concepts. I pray for us to get the principles. I pray for us to get the exact words. I pray for us to get just all the good that there is from it. I pray, Lord, that we not only get our brains straightened out, but I pray that we get our spirit and our attitudes straightened out. Sometimes that's even more important. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to learn from the things that we teach and preach this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say this morning that God's people are clearly told how to maximize their wonderful heritage. Now I'm preaching to some people that you've heard some Bible-believing, Baptist-teaching and preaching that is good, and that most people have not heard. We're in a part of the country that is saturated with good Bible-teaching and preaching uh, compared to other places in the country and other places in the world. And I'm not speaking of myself. I'm Those of you with any age on you, you'd come across Bible-believing, teaching, and preaching before you came across me. And we're blessed with that stuff. And praise the Lord for it. And God help us never to take it for granted. But the Lord Jesus talks about the Word of God being made of none effect. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't it be a tragedy if you had the greatest treasure this side of heaven... The Word of God, and it was rendered of no effect in your life. And now, I don't think that the people under the sound of my voice are in danger of that. I don't think the Word of God is going to be of no effect in your life. But I will say this. I think it can't have nearly the effect that it should unless we live up to it in some important ways. Now, number one, you got saved. You're not going to hell when you die. You're going to live in heaven forever with the Lord Jesus. (laughs) If if that's all you got, if you stop right there, what in the world kind of price would you put on that? But it can get so much better than just that. And I want to tell you today how to maximize this wonderful heritage that you and I enjoy. These wonderful blessings that we get out of the Word of God first thing I want you to notice is the context, the people to whom he is speaking. He is speaking to my people. He says, show my people their transgression. He is our God. We are his people. Now I've already mentioned that uh, he's talking to the Jews here literally and historically. But you and I in the New Testament, now that they have rejected and that there is blindness in part, If we're saved and we're uh, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're his people. You know that William brought his friend Alex today. I'm not related to Alex. I didn't know him before. But because he and my William are friends, if I see that Alex needs anything, I'm going to do my best to take care of Alex. (laughs) You know why? He's friends with my son. Let me tell you something. If you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and that's your best friend and God the Father looks down and sees you with the need, you're in the family. You've been adopted and you know all those great doctrines that we talk about. So even though he's speaking to Israel, there is a real New Testament sense that brothers and sisters, we are his people. Praise the Lord for that. We are his people in that he is our God. We are his people in that we honor him. Verse 13 says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt Honor him. Are you here today and do you honor the Lord? If so, you're his people. That's a great thing. I sure hope you honor Him. Now, we're not under the Old Testament law. We're not under the the law of the Sabbath. I don't believe anybody here has to keep the Sabbath. But I do think it's a good thing to give things to God, don't you? Yes. And if you decide to take a day of the week and give it to God, although you're not under the Old Testament law and you don't have to, but if you choose to, I believe that could be a real good thing. And if you want to give him something, you know what I think you should give him? The first one. Is that not the principle of the scripture? Give God the first fruits? When you get paid, give him the first 10% of it. Before you do anything else, give him what's first. So therefore, I think it would be a pretty good rule of thumb. I'm not saying you have to, but it would be a pretty good rule of thumb if you wanted to give him some time, take the first day of the week and give it to him. Wouldn't that be a good thing? I'm not saying you have to. not trying to pressure anybody into anything. But I highly recommend giving God something. And because He's God, you know what I think it should be as a rule? The very first. That's just my opinion on things. And so it's a good way to honor God to give Him stuff. Even though we're not under the Sabbath that's being talked about there in, in verse 13. I'll tell you another way that we are His people. Verse 14 says, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. There are some people in here that ask to borrow books from me because they want to study something in the Scripture. There are people that have their own books and study stuff from the Scripture. They read their Bible every day. You know why? Because they delight in God. They show up here when we're not a big church. It doesn't benefit you maybe in a lot of ways. Uh, As the world would see it, to come here. And yet, you come here to hear the Word of God taught and preached, and there's not, you know, strobe lights and rocking music and uh, all the fun and and, and entertainment that you could get at other places, and yet you come here. There's no other explanation than this. You delight in some things that have to do with God. You sacrifice and take part in some outreaches that, frankly, cause some hardship and some aggravation and some. uh, Inconvenience for you. Why? Because you delight in God and doing something for him. You love him. You know what that tells me? We're his people. Praise the Lord. My people. All right, now what is the message that is supposed to be brought to my people? Number one, verse one. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression. And the house of Jacob, that is his people, Their sin. So, number one, uh, to maximize your heritage, your relationship with God, stay under preaching that preaches against your sin. Don't ever go to a place that the only preaching they ever do is against, you know, the perverts. (laughs) Don't ever go to a place that the only preaching they ever do is people that are, you know, killers. (laughs) Now, those are sins and they should be mentioned. But there are plenty of sins in the people of God. Yeah. And if you don't stay at a place that in their teaching and their preaching points out the sins of God's people, you will not be able to maximize the great heritage that you've been given. So stay around places that preach against sin, even your sins. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal the Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now why would he have to tell us that? I thought once we're saved we're perfect. (laughs) No. You still got uh, sin. An exercise in your Christian life will be to depart from iniquity. That is something you will have to continually do because I'm sorry to tell you but you'd know I was lying if I didn't, you will constantly find yourself in iniquity. So constantly get up and depart from it. Preach against sin. Luke chapter 6, Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Uh Uh-oh. If you're popular with the world, that's the way you know the false prophets. Everybody loves him. It will not be popular with the world. Luke 16, verse 15, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So it will be popular. Preach against sin. Don't worry about if they like it or not. Just do it. Because if it pleases people, if you're popular, if everybody likes your message, if you get a lot of likes on social media or whatever the medium we're talking about, something's wrong somewhere. In fact, they not only won't like it, it not only won't be popular, they'll actually hate it. John 15, if ye were of the world the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. That's That's the words of Jesus. I was talking to the young people in Sunday school about the Lord Jesus and what an excellent spirit he had. And I pointed out that as bad as Jesus was hated and as much as they tried to kill him and tried to throw him off of a cliff one time and and eventually they did beat him and put a crown of thorns on him and nail him to a cross and kill him as horrible as he was opposed you know what the Lord Jesus never had? He never had one woman that gave him any trouble isn't that strange? I mean were there no wicked women in the first century (laughs) around there? Paul had some women give him trouble. The Old Testament prophets had some women gave him trouble. But there was something about the spirit of Jesus. Not one woman ever gave him any trouble. Amen. <laughs> maybe we need to go to the word of God to find out what's right and wrong, men. But maybe we need to get our ladies to tell us how our spirit is. You know, your spirit and attitude might be different then you standing for what's right. There have been plenty of times I was standing for what was right, but I had a stinking spirit. What a a strange thing. What an interesting thing. And yet Jesus, who had that good of a spirit, said to his disciples, now let me warn you, the world is going to hate you. Now when somebody with that good of a spirit tells you that, you may as well get ready. You're fixing to be hated. John seventeen fourteen. I have given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now there were women that took part in the larger crowd that opposed Christ. But there was never a woman individually who dared to oppose Christ. His spirit was just too good. Boy, that would be a great thing if we could get our thinking and our convictions as strong as many men have throughout history and yet have the spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ had. Boy, that would be a great thing. We'd really have it at that point, wouldn't we? So preach against sin. It will not be popular with the world. It will actually be hated by the world. So if you want to maximize your heritage, number one, keep a good, strong preaching emphasis. Number two, keep a good, strong discipline emphasis. What else is talked about in this passage? Well, a lot of it's talking about fasting, self-affliction. What is fasting? Fasting is where you withhold something that your body wants. Listen. If you want to maximize your heritage and the blessings that God has given you, you're going to have to get good at telling yourself no. And there is hardly a better example of that than fasting. Now, I don't want anybody to not enjoy the good things that God gives us. He gives us food for a reason. He gave us taste buds and the sense of smell for a reason. Doesn't a delicious meal smell and taste good? I want you to enjoy it. But when it comes time for mealtime, get 10, 11, 12 bites of delicious food and savor it. But not 10 or 11 or 12 plates. (laughs) I used to be uh, obese, so I can talk about this. I remember what it was like. When I would wake up in the morning, my first thought is, what's for breakfast? When I would finish breakfast, my next thought is, what's for lunch? And when I would finish lunch, my next thought was, what can I look forward to for supper? And after supper, what you know, dessert, bedtime snack can I have? Food just ruled my life. That's just the truth of it. I'm ashamed of it. I'm embarrassed. And let me tell you something, it showed. <laughs> it really did. But food isn't the only way that we uh, please ourselves and that we should uh, you know, withhold things from ourselves. Uh, we need to get used to telling ourselves no and have some discipline, fasting, self-affliction, He mentions that in verses 3 to 6. 1 Corinthians 9, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Don't let yourself just go in your eating, in your sleeping, in your entertainment, in your whatever. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. If it has the ability to get you under its power, stop it. Do whatever it takes. Obviously, that has an application in the case of drugs and alcohol, maybe some online gambling. For some people, it might be video games. For some people, it might be social media. For some people, it might be pornography. I, I don't, I, there's no way I could think of everything that you might get hooked on. But I will say this If you want to maximize your heritage That God has given you And he's given you some great things Get used to telling yourself no And when you say wait a minute I've been doing this for four hours Stop it Just stop talking Just stop eating Just stop sleeping Just stop scrolling Just whatever it is that is taking you over Stop it man It might be anger. You might go around angry all the time. When when I preach on anger, I usually think of people like myself that had these blow-ups, you know, and yell and scream, and that's a bad thing. But let me tell you something. There are some people that hardly ever yell and scream, but they just have that stern, angry attitude. Ninety percent of their lives bless their hearts. And they're just as miserable as the people who blow up once every three months. And it hurts the people that love them just as much. You get tired of being around people that might blow up on you in any minute and you get tired of people that are just in a stern angry bad mood all day every day too. Whichever side is your weakness look out for it. Whatever it is stop it. The Bible says cease from anger doesn't it? That yes. I means stop it. Just quit. And turn or at least cut way back on it I realize we're never going to be able to stop all these things you know, completely necessarily. Now, that means it won't be pleasurable. Look at verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure. Now look, folks. Let there be some times that you don't get what you want. You're uncomfortable for a while. That's good for you. Health-wise, it it, it is good for you to put some stress on the body. Work out till it hurts a little bit. Run, exercise till it hurts a little bit. Withhold food till it hurts a little bit. (laughs) Stop something you're addicted to till you really miss it and it hurts a little bit. I'm not saying you have to be like that 24-7. Once in a while, stop and eat a good meal. At Thanksgiving, fill her up. (laughs) When you got a day off, enjoy it. But we got a bunch of people in America that try to live like that all day, every day, every meal, all the time. No. And when you get trying to serve God... And you say, wait a minute, look, I put up with a little aggravation for you, God. He said, yeah, but while you're doing it, you're looking for pleasure. And frankly, you're kind of mad about things right now, aren't you? (laughs) Isn't that what he says in verse 3? In the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. And you tell everybody, hey, you keep working and keep making my money. Now, wait a minute, during a fast, we're supposed to put all that stuff on hold, aren't we? It's not a pleasurable fast. That's why the Lord didn't take notice of it. It's not a profitable fast. That's why the Lord didn't take notice of it. They were still exacting all their labors. I'll tell you something else. It was not a persecuting fast. Verse 4, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate. Look out for the people that learn a little discipline. They used to be undisciplined, and now they are disciplined. Or, that just doesn't happen to be their weakness. So they look at somebody else that's kind of lazy, or a little addicted to something, kind of fat or whatever their problem is and they go I'm so much better than them (laughs) and next thing you know they're fast the very thing that I'm preaching on and and a proponent of becomes a pride thing to them and something they want to fuss at and beat somebody else up over I have known of Christians and I've often told the illustration of a guy one time who had got victory over the flesh and that's a good thing man I, I, I appreciate that he did that but he got in a fuss with some other Christians and he said, let's just bring them over here and we'll see who can fast for six days and we'll see who's close to God. (laughs) Let me tell you something. If you got that kind of an attitude, you ain't fasting for the Lord. (laughs) Weirdo. Where in the world do you ever read in the Bible you'll just fast for six days and you'll see who's close to God. That's not, what? Where'd you get that? And that was at my Bible school that a guy claimed that foolishness. (laughs) My word, folks. (laughs) Have you never read Isaiah 58? It's not a persecuting fast. It's it's not a proud fast. Remember the Pharisee in the New Testament? I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that i I think it would be great if you fasted twice a week. I'm not preaching against that. I think it'd be great if you pay tithes of all, all that you possess. Wonderful. If you choose to do that, I'm not saying you have to, but if you willingly choose to, praise the Lord. That's a good thing. But it's not something to brag about. It's not a persecuting fast. It's not a prideful fast. I'll tell you what it is. It's a productive fast. You do something for the Lord while you're doing that. What What are you doing for the Lord? Verse 6. So first, to maximize your heritage, preach against sin and stay around preaching against sin. Number two, fasting and self-affliction. Emphasize discipline. Number three, Emphasize ministry. Verses 6 and 7. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? In other words, you're a blessing to people. You help people. Do what you can to help people. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Isn't that a great song? What a beautiful song. What a beautiful message. Give as twas given to you in your need. Love as the Master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. Make me a blessing to someone today. Let me tell you when a fast, when some self-affliction is good and the Lord will take notice of it. Not when you're proud about it. Not when you're mad at God because He didn't give you what you wanted. But when you're trying to be a blessing to others in what you're withholding from yourself. Then the Lord will notice it. It frees them from sin. Loose the bands of wickedness. That ties into the preaching, doesn't it? It frees them from sadness. Undo the heavy burdens. Did you know you can't stop people from the trials they go through? But to a certain degree, you can go through it with them. The ladies understand this a little better than the men. The men, we just want the problem solved. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes the Lord wants you in the problem. But if you're with somebody you love, it's not nearly the problem it was before. Can you think of a couple of Bible stories that illustrate this? I remember Daniel getting thrown in a lion's den And the Lord let him have that problem But there was an angel of the Lord in there with him Completely changed the problem I remember three Hebrew children getting thrown in a fiery furnace The Lord did not take away that problem from them At least not for a while But there was somebody in there with them You can't get people out of the lion's den And out of the fiery furnace all the time Maybe you, in a sense, can go in there with them. And even in a bad trial, when you look up and you're surrounded by people that love you, completely changes the problem, does it not? So therefore, you can free them from some sadness, even in a hard time, just by being with them. Another one is feeding them. He says, deal thy bread to the hungry there in verse 7. Befriending them, bring the poor to thy house. Freeing uh, freeing them from sin, freeing them from sadness, feeding them, befriending them, bring them to your house. You know, the Bible talks a lot about hospitality. Even New Testament, church age, doctrine. I'm afraid we've lost that in our individual day where we're all just sitting there looking at a screen all day long. Romans 12, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Romans 15, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is not just Old Testament doctrine. This is Pauline church age stuff. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. 1 Corinthians 10 All things are lawful for me but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own but every man another's wealth. When you're friends with somebody, look out for what's best for them. When you're kin to somebody, look out what's best for them. When you're in society with somebody, they're another citizen of the same town you are, look out for what's best with them. When you do business with somebody, look out for what's best for them. I'm a firm believer in a win-win situation. Make sure every business deal you're in is good for you and it's good for them. don't try to beat them out of something. Philippians 2 Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory But in lowliness of mind Let each esteem other better than themselves Look not every man on his own things But every man also On the things of others Others Lord yes others Let this my motto be Others help me to live for others That I may live like thee So number one preach against sin Number two fasting self affliction Number three blessing and helping others Number four The blessing of God will then start showing on you. Look at verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thine health shall spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. That's a good old English word. Looks like re-reward. It means that's what's coming behind you. It's the caboose. It's at the end. Wow, what a way to live. Life representing joy and discernment. You know where we live? We live in a day of darkness. There's not the light of joy, and there's not the light of discernment, either one. But, when you stay under... Pre- number one, if you're saved in God's people. But number two, if you're... Staying around preaching, the di- emphasis on preaching. You're staying around fasting and self affliction, the emphasis on discipline. And by the way, don't get all beat up and think, "Brother Bob thinks we can't have any fun." <laughs> there will be tons of fun time. Just also have some times each day that you tell yourself, "No." <laughs> I'm all for it. Listen, you will not have to worry about Brother Bob teaching or preaching too much self affliction. (laughs) I promise you, I do not go overboard on that. (laughs) I'm on the couch way too much. But it doesn't hurt us to get up and exercise, some. To stop eating, some. To stop our entertainment, some. Just exercise a little of it, you'll be far above average in this day and age. Blessing and helping others. But be sure when you do that, it's in a way that is a blessing and a help to somebody else. Not just for your health. Oh good, if I do this, I'll lose weight. Well, amen, that's good. But be sure it helps somebody else too. Blessing from God on you. You'll get light representing joy and discernment. Then health comes quickly. There are few things better for your health than you being selfless instead of selfish. If every moment is just when can I get back to that easy chair, if every moment is just when can I do something that pleases me, you'll get miserable. And that will affect your health. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I remember Mama ever since I was a little boy said, Bob, when you go around just looking for fun, fun, fun all the time, and what do I want, and what do I want, what do I want, what do I want, you won't be happy but when you get up and get busy doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll look up in the middle of it and say, huh, we're having fun doing this. <laughs> and I remember when I was a little boy, my mom could not accept that. But I got up to be about a young adult and taking on some responsibilities and things, and I was in the middle of some responsibilities and thought how what joy I had of the Lord, and the Lord remember, reminded me, you remember when your mom said, You just get busy doing what you ought to be doing, and you'll look around and realize, wow, we're having fun. (laughs) And that which was so foolish to me at six or eight years old suddenly made sense to me at 26 or 28. You'd be surprised. Your health comes quickly, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. furthermore glory of the Lord Philippians 4 1 therefore my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved for what it in 1st Thessalonians 2 what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming you know why the blessing of God and the glory of the Lord comes on you because when you do this you're acting like Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory When you stay under preaching and when you discipline yourself and when you're a blessing to others, some blessings start to come in your life and some glory starts to shine on you that you don't deserve because you've lined yourself up with the Lord Jesus. All right, just a couple more and we'll close. Verse 9 and verse 11. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer and thou shalt cry and he shall say, Here I am. How would you like a prayer life that when you pray, God says, You reign? And he shows up. Here's what you do. Start maximizing your heritage. Answer prayer and guidance. Verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Number one, you got the close presence of the Lord when you pray. This is the prayer emphasis. The preaching emphasis. The discipline emphasis. The blessing on others emphasis. Here's the prayer emphasis. You stay close to the Lord. You talk to him get his presence nearby then you get continued guidance let me tell you what's going to happen you're going to come to some situations you're not going to know what the right thing is to do there are going to be some specifics come up and you're going to wish you had the Lord's guidance did you know you can have it maximize the Lord's heritage in your life and one of the keys is prayer we're King James Bible believers around here and I'm sure glad that we are Sometimes King James Bible believers talk Bible, 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 and they had not prayed like they should in a long time. Now plenty of them do too. Now don't misunderstand. I'm not bashing my my brethren. Some some good Bible-believing Baptists are some great prayer warriors. Some of us lack in that area, don't we? Some of us don't talk to the Lord near enough. Answered prayer and guidance, close presence of the Lord, continued guidance of the Lord. He'll say, all right, you notice that spirit? There's something wrong with that spirit, isn't there? And he'll guide you, and you get sensitive to where you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. And Sometimes the letter of the law won't tell you that. Sometimes you're going to need the gentle prodding of the Spirit of God to tell you when he's warning you against something, and the letter of the law will fail you there. better have a close walk with the Lord and you know when you have that close walk with the Lord and you have his presence with you you know what comes after that continual peace look at verse 11 and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not you know what that pictures to me peace a garden that ain't dried up A garden that even when a drought comes, somehow the water still gets to it. You know what that is? Peace. That's the peace that passeth understanding. That's the peace that comes with the presence of the Lord. Philippians 4 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what's the promise? And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know what a lot of people are missing in their life? Yes. Peace. Amen. There are a lot of people with a lot of nervous fidgets. And Lord knows I've been one of them. And the thing that's been missing has been a close walk with God Amen. and peace. We live in a day that is full of way too much fear and anxiety. Little message I put on the radio here not long ago was you can have right leadership displayed for you. And yet when you try to step in, you realize you don't have the walk with God they did. And you get fearful and you get insecure. And the next thing you're mad and fighting for your rights and telling everybody they ought to follow you. You're the rightful leader. And when you have to say it, there's something wrong. There is a piece that's missing. There is some anger that's based on fear and insecurity. Now, I don't mean that you should not teach the, t- the verses in the Word of God that say there is a human leader, amen. You should teach them. But when you have to say it angry... Somebody doesn't have peace. and I know what that anger really comes from. That anger doesn't come really from an anger issue at at its root. It comes from a fear and insecurity issue at its root. That's where it comes from. But when you stay close to God, you're hooked into the one that gives you the authority. And you have peace as you lead. Answer prayer and guidance. All right, one more. Here's the family emphasis. Blessings on children. Look at verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. One of these days, if the Lord tarries is coming, which we hope he does not, but if the Lord tarries is coming, Henry might be saying, my mom and daddy back when they were still here pointed me straight to the Lord and they didn't get everything done they wanted to, but you know what I'm doing? I'm carrying on their legacy. Them girls might be saying that. The Hankus' kids, the Ginrich's kids might be saying that. They might be saying, there were some things my mom and dad wanted to, isn't that what King David said? King David wanted to build that big, beautiful temple of the Lord and the Lord said, no, you're a man of war. Solomon will, and that thrilled, was David bitter and mad about it? No, David was tickled to death, his son was going to get that glory. And he got all the things he could, all the material he could, all the connections he could, so that Solomon would have what he needed to carry on that work of the Lord. listen, when it's a blessing to your children, fine with you. Once in a while, my children say, Dad, Dad, thank you. Thank you for buying me that. Thank you for spending that money on me. And I'll say, that's what my money's for. (laughs) I wouldn't want my money used for anything else but my kids. (laughs) And it's a blessing when you know that your children are being taken care of. Let me tell you, you can maximize the heritage that will bless your children. You stay under preaching. You stay disciplined yourself. You stay a blessing to others. You see the blessings of God start to come on you. You put an emphasis on prayer. You put an emphasis on family. And what happens? Your children are successful. And they look back and they say, My mom and daddy were the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. They didn't get to rebuild everything we've rebuilt, but they were the ones that turned the thing around and pointed us in this direction. Thank God my mom and daddy did that for me. Verse 12 also says that they get honored. It says, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. They'll look back at your children and say, Hey, they rebuilt some places that had been torn down for a long time. And what did they get? They got the heritage of Jacob, their father, verse 14. And in conclusion, I'll say what we like to say around here, and that is the Bible emphasis. Look at the last words of verse 14. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. You know how I know all these things are true? God said so. You know why we believe the King James Bible around here? Because it's the word of God. This is from the mouth of God. If something's from the mouth of God, you know what that tells me? That tells me it's a sure thing. Once God says it, all argument ends. We go with what he said. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, don't we? And furthermore, it's powerful things. The things God says are powerful and life-changing. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not the word of God is sure things the word of God is powerful things the word of God is wonderful things open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law what have we talked about today we've talked about how to maximize the heritage you've got you've had some great Bible teaching and preaching if you're a Bible believing Baptist in the Bible Belt what a blessed thing let's be sure that we don't make it of none effect. But even those of us that probably are not going to make it of no effect, let's make it of all the effect that we can. And it'll be a blessing to others, and it'll be a blessing to the children that come behind us if the Lord tarries his coming. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for